Hi everyone, welcome to Refine and Grow with Justin and Lindsay. My name is Lindsay Allen. And my name is Justin Mueller, and this is your podcast for proven strategies on navigating and managing work life. Today's guest is Devin Smith. Devin has over 25 years of work experience in supply chain management and is currently an adjunct professor at the International University of Monaco, FEMA Business School, along with two other universities. In addition, he is a doctoral candidate in business administration. He's well-versed in building and managing effective and responsive supply chains with experience in network design, process optimization, negotiations, compliance, and audits. He has his U.S. Customs Brokerage License and was a global account manager for the U.S.-based third-party logistics provider, Expeditors International, before relocating to the south of France as director of supply chain for the fashion brand Fauconable. In addition, Devin founded a classic and exotic car brokerage service centered around Monaco. Devin, welcome. Thank you. So, Devin, in this season, we're interviewing a number of personalities, some of them characters like yourself, and we're really trying to get the best of advice that you've been provided by mentors or other leaders that have really impacted you in significant ways. So if you were to look back over your storied career, what would you point to as maybe some of the best advice you've received and why? Justin Lins, thanks for the invite. Appreciate it. Excited to be here. I've done some thinking about this, and I do a lot of reflective thinking when I'm teaching, but I do believe that the best mentor is you. I think that ultimately the culmination of advice, it's the internal dialogue that you give yourself is going to be your best mentor. And I can reflect back on times where I was not a good mentor to myself and times where I was. And I think that that's a learning process, but I also think it's cumulative in nature. I look back and I start with my family. And I remember my dad always saying, if you're going to do it, do it right. And that really reinforced, you know, again, not that I execute it every time, but I have that voice ringing in the back of my head to, if I'm going to dedicate time to it, I should dedicate enough time to do it right. And I think that that's been kind of a foundational point for me. I think I've been fortunate in a way that almost every company that I've worked for through my career has had an exceptional corporate culture. And with that, it's developed me, hopefully, into a strong business person, as strong as I can possibly be. It's one of those notions where you learn from bad managers and good managers. And I've been very fortunate to have a lot of great managers in a lot of great companies. And that really started for me originally with Four Seasons Hotels. When I graduated from university and moved out to Boston all by myself, first management job in Four Seasons, they threw you in the fire. And they're telling you things like, don't judge people by how they look. And it's very obvious, very intuitive, but most people really don't learn it. And they continue to develop that bias of judging people by how they look. And you learn the hard lesson and you get smacked over the head really quick when you judge the wrong person by how they look. It's another foundation component that I've really tried to carry with me. And I'm glad I learned that lesson because I look back on moments going, wow, glad I didn't judge that person. You've made some, I would say, fairly high risk moves. I can point to three uh, since I've known you over the last 20 years or so. One, picking up the family and moving from a very comfortable position at Expeditors here in the Seattle area and heading to the South of France to take on Director of Global Supply Chain for Fasanov and Two, you broke away from Fasanov and started an exotic car company in Monaco. And then three, most recently in the last few years, stepping away from that venture 
and becoming a professor and also a student again. As you think about those high risk, potentially high risk moves over the last 20 years, what was some of your thought processes as you made that decision and made that leap? Yeah, it's a great question. And obviously we didn't talk about it before, but this is how I open up almost every class in the get to know me section of lectures and that my whole career has basically been not being afraid of saying yes. The moving of four, six, and eight-year-old children to France, we had a goal as a family. If we could ever move overseas, we would. And we left invested stocks and all those things behind. And we said, we're just going to do it. We said, yes, a three-year contract. And we're now on year 13. You know, you don't know where life is going to lead you. I'm now a professor at four different universities. And it's because I said yes to a random through a connection contact asking if I would teach one supply chain class. Absolutely fell in love, asked for more. And now I'm turning away classes. All these opportunities come up because I just said yes and figured it out or had at least a base of knowledge to have the confidence to try. And I really try to reinforce that with my students. Very few opportunities come up when you're playing it safe and comfortable. Yeah. I personally, speaking for myself, have had periods of self-doubt, maybe over-reflection where you question motives, intentions, and it's good to have that backbone that you can pick up and bounce ideas past someone who's maybe been down that road before you. As you kind of reflect on the decision-making process and the risk that you've been willing to accept, both you and your wife, Allison, have you had periods of self-doubt and how have you kind of overcome that? Yeah. It's interesting when I listen to podcasts, I listen to people being interviewed, you know, you listen to that person going, wow, their life seems perfect. The guy had a brokerage, classic exotic car brokerage in Monaco and all these things. It's not perfect. It's anything but perfect. And there's high points and there's low points. And hey, my brokerage business, the foundation was good, but the competition's fierce. And at the end of the day, it wasn't going to grow and work. And I had to pivot away. So I would love to say it's a multi-million dollar or euro corporation. It's not, but I learned a ton. But I think that you have to have that community around you. And I definitely have suffered bouts of, I don't know what you would call it, but self-doubt, I guess. And my wife has been willing to pick up the pieces in those moments. And it's nice to have that support because it's not all roses. I think one of the big lessons I learned living overseas is that no matter how far you go, you're still you. All your problems, you can move from Seattle to Nice and you're just going to drag your problems with you. So you've got to deal with them sooner or later. And that's one lesson my wife has taught me is just deal with them sooner. That is a work in progress. <laughs> that's one of the lessons, Justin, that we've talked a lot about. Don't leave when the going gets tough. Stick it out because there will be a turn. And we had said, yeah, if you don't figure out the problem at hand at one company, it just follows you to the next job because it's the lesson you're meant to to learn something you're meant to navigate through and understand for your career as a whole, not just with that company. Yeah. One of the yeah. things you said, Devin, when you were telling us about your advice was that you've been really lucky to find companies with good cultures and great people to learn from. And I'm wondering, because you've said yes so many times and changed focus and areas of specialty, what were you looking for in companies to make sure that they were a good fit culture-wise and people-wise as far as being able to learn and grow. It's interesting, but I think in almost every situation they found me. Is that luck or did I position myself in the right moment? But originally I had met what would end up being my wife 
Allison, and she, after two weeks of dating, got a job in Indonesia. And I had just quit my job in Boston, moved back to Seattle, and she invited me to go to Indonesia with her. And by chance, that company hired to be a supply chain manager, and I had no idea what supply chain management was. That was the spawn of a 23-year career. Wow. So I stumbled into supply chain management, came back to Seattle, happened to stumble across Expeditors International corporate office in Seattle, and the most amazing absolutely focused professionals there. I look back, I still have dreams about Expeditors International. I've never worked so hard. It's never tormented me so much, but I look back and that's family. It's pretty fortunate to have those experiences. And then even Fassam you know, a very different culture, French culture coming in through different opportunities. My name was thrown in as a possible person for that position and I got it and we moved to France. And then even teaching through another contact. So like I said before, I'm fortunate, really see myself as lucky to have found so many great organizations and cultures to have been a part of. And it's definitely changed me. And so I look at teaching now as my way of giving all of that information back. I feel pretty lucky. I remember feeling a little bit of envy when you made that transition, when you told me you were starting to teach, because I think ultimately that's the direction I would like to go. I think someday maybe that'll be my early retirement, but I'm not sure if anyone wants to hear me yammer on. As I reflect on your transition to the teaching, when I first met you, you were in the thick of your career at Expeditors, very much a hard charger. I thought I worked hard. I felt lazy when I looked at how hard you worked. And you've made this slow transition now to teaching and the pace of life is a little bit less intense, maybe no less full, but maybe less intense. And I've just been curious, what have you most enjoyed about that transition to teaching, moving from the corporate world, then the entrepreneurial world, and now you're in the teaching world where academic life is a little bit slower. Your schedule's still full, but the pace is just a little bit slower. What have you most enjoyed about that transition? And then what do you miss most about corporate and entrepreneurial life? Is that a nice way of calling me lazy, Justin? <laughs> I know, I understand the question. So for me, the transition to teaching it feels like a dad job to me. It feels like it was interesting. I guess this is a bit personal between Justin and I, but Justin had announced to me that he received a promotion at work. And it's always interesting to self-reflect kind of emotional intelligence and be able to reflect on yourself of how you process that info. Because my first instinct was, what am I doing? How come I'm not a director or vice president? And you start to process that. And I realized that 15 years ago, I made a clear decision not to follow the corporate path. And I feel very, very fortunate. One, super happy for Justin. I mean, can't happen to a nicer guy, but it kind of reinforced my path, that my path is okay. And that I'm fortunate that my wife has a very good job that I can be a teacher. No one's going to get rich being a teacher or a professor at university, but boy, the personal rewards here, you know, my wife tells me she's never seen me happier my whole life getting up on a Monday morning going, let's do it. Sitting there telling students that you have real life experiences that you can share. I absolutely love it. And I love that I could still do this job into my seventies, or if I'm not going crazy, even into my eighties a little bit. It really is a fortunate job kind of in my fourth or fifth career to have stumbled on. And like I said, I wouldn't change it for anything. Congratulations, Justin, by the way. Thank you. 
Well, I think there's always been a bit of mutual admiration between the two of us because I've always loved your risk taking and your willingness to try something new and step out and potentially fail. That's living in my book is the willingness to step out and take some risks. And when you take risks, not every big bet's going to pay off, but if you don't take them, you never know what the result's going to be. And I also see you as one of those folks in my career that I've always been able to bounce ideas off of and walk away a little bit smarter. And it's helped to shape and form me. So that continues. So I'm very grateful for that. So even though we're like, I don't know, 6,000 miles apart. My wish would be that all professionals would have someone like a relationship like you and I have, where we have that mutual admiration, but we can bounce things off of. I feel fortunate for that. And I hope most people do. Yeah. Well, man, thank you so much for taking some time. It's been great having you, and I look forward to potentially having you back and going a little bit deeper in future seasons. I'll see you in London in a couple of weeks. Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Good. You, man. Great. That's it for today's episode. To access more information about the upcoming book, Refine and Grow, Lessons Learned on Navigating the Business World, or find additional resources, head out to our website at refineandgrow.com. And tune in next week for an all-new episode Thanks for listening.